Blog Talk Radio. And as usual, we can't get the damn opening to work. Not the first time, not the last time. Uh, someday we'll get this right. Welcome to the Cousin Sean Sports Radio Show on BackSportsPage.com off of Blog Talk Radio. Sean is currently flying in from Bali. I know we all feel really bad for him. 23 days in New Zealand, Australia, and Bali, or Indonesia. He's whitewater rafted. He's bungee jumped. I don't even want to hear about it anymore. Check out his damn blog on Facebook. So I decided to bring it. We decided to bring in a new face here. Dylan Carpell joining us today. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Seth. So Dylan, an OU graduate, and usually – very rarely, we, every once in a while, Pete Mundo, who runs Heartland Sports, will talk a little bit of Oklahoma. But, you know, man just gradu- graduates from o- Oklahoma, Univer- o- o- University, bleh, Oklahoma University. And now he's back in, he's back in Jersey. And I don't get it. Your t- you leave and your, team go- your basketball team goes from like 25, from a final four to 10 and 25. Very, very is, is it you or Buddy Heald? Definitely, definitely many. <laughs> but Buddy Heal was a big, big issue with him leaving last last year, and got he's got big shoes to fill. Hopefully, we'll make it out next year because it's yeah. been a very tough rebuilding year for us. Well, Lon Kruger is a phenomenal coach, and I'm sure he'll be back. Um, but kind of get this started. We'll start obviously with the tournament. The first, the great, the, the great first four days are over. 48 games done. 16 teams left. And you look, you look at it, and my issues that I had, and we'll go, and we'll go to yours as well, where it's not the, not the teams that made it. I had no issue with Q's not making it. Um, I had an issue with Wisconsin as an eight. I said this last week. As a Big Ten guy, Wisconsin as eight, and an eight in Minnesota as a five, I thought was a joke. This proved to be somewhat prophetic. Um, the other issue that I have is that you have a lot of these mid, quote-unquote mid-majors. Dayton and Wichita State should not be playing each other in a first-round game. To me, these are teams that should be playing the big conferences. You always talk about there's no respect in the mid-majors, there's no respect in the mid-majors. How can you set up a 7-10 game with two teams that are combined 58-8 to play in a first round? I feel like Dayton was very, very not seeded well at all. They should not have been seeded that high. Um, It was a very unfair matchup for them. but going on to that, there really weren't as many big upsets in the first round this year. There was nothing. Like, you had Middle Tennessee State beating uh, uh, Minnesota, which – Which wasn't even an upset because no, they projected them to win. Yeah, anyone who watched Minnesota and as a Big Ten guy, I, obviously they were a nice team, but they were an eight or nine seed. Maryland, after their center went down, not, I mean, I was thrilled with the six seed, but we weren't a six seed. Um, and Xavier, even without their best player in the summer – was evil was easy to, was evil to beat them on a second half run. I'm happy with Maryland's year 24 and seven. I'll take it any time. The second now the, the second round was a lot different though. I mean, what was the game? What stood out to you? The most stunning game that stood out to me was obviously South Carolina beating Duke. Duke having seven potential NBA players on their team. South Carolina just having one in with Darius Stormwell. That was just complete shocker to me, and I'm guessing most of the country. Yeah. And not not a shock for me was Michigan getting as far as they have this so far because the whole thing with their 
plane not taking off before the Big Ten tournament. And I feel like they've had a lot of motivation to to make a run and see see what they can do. The, the issue I had with Duke, and as a guy who went to Maryland, it's not exactly like I have a great deal of affinity for Duke, although probably more than most Maryland alum, um, is you could not play a second-round game against the seventeed in the seventeeds home state. You just can't do it. And to play in Greenville, and I realized they had to move the Carolina game because of the because of the because of the uh, the transgender laws. They pulled everything. Yeah. Just a bad break for Duke, and not that anyone's really crying for them. That you know that was a pretty big upset. You have Xavier dominating Florida State and looking like a potential real threat uh, to Arizona in the West State in the, in, in the Western Regional. And now we're looking at. We're, I mean, we'll take a look and to say. You know, you look at that game, Arizona's looked decent. Um, I've caught a lot of flack from apparently an East Coast bias uh, from a couple friends of mine, a couple people on, on Seth and Sean's sports radio show, uh, Facebook page about this, that I don't like the West Coast. I don't really like Arizona. I think UCLA's better. I thought Oregon before Chris Boucher went down would have been my national champion. I think Arizona's the third best of the three. If people want to discuss and talk about this stuff, we're going to talk this, we're going to talk NBA, um, What's going on with what's going on currently with Adam Silver coming out with a statement about the uh, the resting of players? We're going to talk NFL free agency. For those of you who want to call in, seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. We're trying this a little bit of a different way, so if people are having trouble hearing, please feel free to reach out to either of us, um, and we'll go from there. But what is the, so going forward in the Sweet Sixteen? What games are you looking? What are you looking forward to? The game I'm most looking forward to to see is definitely UCLA versus Kentucky, Lonzo Ball versus Malik Monk. That's going to be a hell, hell of a game. Um, but the game I'm also very interested in is Gonzaga versus West Virginia. West Virginia impresses more than any team in the country, and I'm curious to see if Gonzaga actually can prove themselves not playing in a big, big conference and see if they actually can make a run. I don't think they're going to be able to, but it's very interesting. And then – I'm also curious if Butler can make another miracle run like they did five or six years ago or so. Back-to-back championship games. And they got a tough match against UNC, great rebounding team, just great overall everything. But I really think they, they could pull off the upset. Um, and then I was really looking forward to Florida Gulf Coast making a run again <laughs> this year. Yeah. They almost pulled off the miracle run against Florida State. Couldn't do it, but they gave, they gave, their, gave their best shot. I think there's some interesting games here. I think the one that people are sleeping on, and because Kansas has looked very good, Purdue is a dangerous team. You have a player of the year candidate in, in, in Caleb Swanigan. You have, three, you have two seven-footers. The issue is whether the guard play is enough to negate Graham and, and Mason. Um, everyone's looking forward to UCLA, Kentucky. I, 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 how can you not? These are two monster teams. Um, you know this, and I also wonder if there's going to be a lot. There's going to be if UCLA is going to be a bit distracted between the, the ball, the, the Levar Ball issue, with the potential of um, what's his name? Excuse me, Steve Alford going to Indiana, supposedly seven-year, thirty-one million dollar deal. If I was Indiana, I would pull that away so quickly. I'm not an Alfred guy. Um, you know, I look at these games, they're not 
as exciting as some of them have been in the past where you've had five or six games where you look at it and you go, I have to see this. But it's an interesting draw. Obviously, Villanova out the East. You know, everyone was looking forward to Villanova Duke. You just are. You have the defending national champion. You have, call it what it is, you have the kings of college basketball in Duke. Um, five national championships in 20-some-odd years. Both of them knocked out. Duke to South Carolina. Villanova to a Wisconsin team that, as I said before, had no business being an eight seed. And I don't cons- that to me wasn't an upset. Wisconsin is the most senior-laden team in the tournament. They're big. They're strong. They're, they have studs in Bronson, Koenig, Nigel Hayes, and Ethan Happ. I think, Wisconsin, who's, I think Wisconsin makes it out of this bracket, beating probably South Carolina uh, in, 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 in the final eight in, in MSJ. What are your thoughts? Well, it's very interesting about that because the Wisconsin-Florida match was very intriguing because neither team has a good offense. Florida's missing their best interior defensive player who got hurt about a month ago. And South Carolina has, has SEC Player of the Year, but they don't have a great offense. They play great defense. And, and uh, Baylor, Baylor's been very inconsistent. They've gone through spurts where they just have not done that well this year, but then they can get, they're very streaky. They can get hot at any moment. And then going back to Purdue – I don't think they're going to be able to hang with Kansas because after watching the Purdue-Iowa State game, I watched Purdue blow a 19-point lead with 12 minutes left in the game. Monte Morris is incredible for Iowa State. I really thought they were going to pull it out. But it was too much Big East one again. They took, they took him out for a three-minute stretch, and Iowa State went on a 14-0 run, which was incredible. They brought him back in. It, it was a little bit of a rough patch. They ended up closing the game out. Um, and then, yeah, that was, yeah, so, I mean, so who do you have coming out of the, out of that East end? Uh, I would have to say, I like Wisconsin. They proved they can beat Villanova. I don't think Florida's going to be a tough test. You don't think Florida's going to be a tough test? I don't think they'll be a tough test. Baylor's inconsistency is what worries me. And South Carolina is a one-man team. They played an incredible game against Duke. Hats off to them. But I just – of those four teams, I think Wisconsin's going to come out of, that, of the east side. Yeah, I agree. Um, going down to the west, you mentioned Gonzaga, West Virginia. West Virginia, as Mike Bray said after the, after the loss, after Notre Dame lost uh, to West Virginia on Saturday, that is a team of men. Those guys all look like they're 25. They're big, strong. They, um, they press to the death. The issue with them is the same issue it always is with Bob Huggins' teams. Can they score? And I look at Gonzaga. You brought up the fact that, you know, are they legit? Gonzaga beat Iowa State. They beat Arizona. They, went, they beat St. Mary's three times. They went 32-1. and one. To me, they're beyond this mid-major. They've been in the final eight before. I think personally this is the year they make it. I don't think this is their best team. I think their draw puts them there. Um, I have Gonzaga beating West Virginia because I also think Nigel Williams-Goss is a stud, and he will be able to handle handle the, the press for the most part. And they also have the big man in the middle who's just a handful for anybody. Other, in the other game, 
The other game we have Arizona Xavier. I I have to like Arizona behind marketing and Trier, but Xavier is really considering they lost their their best player. They were 18 and one and lost their best player. And you now have Truman Blewett playing at a phenomenal level, scoring 50 points in the wins over Maryland and the absolute annihilation of a good Florida State team. I also have a lot of faith in Chris Mack as a coach. If I was in the end, that's who I would jump at. And I like Arizona, but I think it's going to be one of the better games of the final eight. And I like Gonzaga. Of the 16, I like Gonzaga over Arizona. Well, going back to your Gonzaga point with whether they're legit or not, I'd have to say they played Arizona with no Alonzo Trier, which is, in my mind, he's their best player. Larry Markin and them two together are, are incredible tandem. But the Xavier Arizona game is very interesting because um, Xavier, I think, is on one of these miracle runs right now. Uh, they don't have the talent that Arizona has, but they definitely could pull off the upset. Um, but the most the game to watch this week, definitely UCLA, Kentucky, and most talent that game by far. And what, uh, Seth, what do you think about the Oregon-Michigan game? Oregon, it's an interesting run because it's, it's two teams kind of on a strange, strange run right now. Um, Oregon would have been my choice for the national champion before their center, Chris Boucher, gets injured. Michigan was, has been floundering really since they went to the finals a couple of years ago. And they have the pseudo-plane crash, win the Big Ten championship, beat a very, very underrated Oklahoma State team led by Juwan Evans. They beat Louisville. And they're on this ridiculous roll. I, I can't – it's hard for me to say that Michigan's going to lose right now considering just – the way everything is going, Derek Walton, Zach Irvin, I mean, they've just been playing out of their minds. And I think this is where the loss of Boucher hurts, hurts Oregon. I have Michigan. Um, I have Michigan going, Michigan going to the final eight. And probably at that point, I think it, it'll stop. As much as I'd love to see Purdue pull the upset, as a Big Ten guy, I'm a little bit gratified because we caught a lot of crap this year. Our, tar- our league, league is not that good. Our league is not that good. Our, you know, we, our seedings were certainly not great. Michigan State is a nine. was not fantastic. Northwestern, what well, was it deserved? About eight seemed about right. So I'm gratified to see three teams in the Sweet 16, while the ACC only gets one with Carolina, who had a devil of a time beating Arkansas. Um, I do think Kansas wins. I think we're looking at Kansas-Michigan in a rematch of that ridiculous uh, game a few years ago when Trey Burke hit the 30-footer to put him into overtime to knock out the number one team, number one seed. So I think we only have one region left, and that is Carolina. Carolina playing uh, Butler. I don't love this Carolina team. And again, as those of you, those of you who listen, as, 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 a, as someone whose three cousins went to Duke and I went to Maryland, my feelings on Carolina are not particularly high. But I look at this team, I just don't, Justin Jackson's a really nice player. Joel Berry, extremely good shooter. I think they, I think they had a they had a walk through to the eight, and I think they beat Butler, UCLA, Kentucky. I'm torn because UCLA is more talented. I think at a Bayou, I don't love Melly Monk is phenomenal though. But Calipari in these kind of games finds ways to win, and even though I have UCLA in my challenge, I had UCLA. 
I think Kentucky finds a way to pull it out. And we have really the, the rematch of all rematches, Carolina-Kentucky. The game Kentucky won earlier this year where Malik Monk had 47. I think with Malik Monk, he's by far the best player on the team. But he has had games this year where he's been off and not did not shoot the ball well. When his shot's on, he, I mean, he's one of the best scorers in the whole country. And then in regards to Lonzo Ball, he – he just does everything. Make this whole team looks so incredible. I don't think Bryce Alford, great shooter and all, but his game is really, really enhanced from Lonzo Ball being there. And in regards to the UNC Butler game, I want to see Butler make a miracle run again, but I just think UNC is just too much firepower. Way too big. Great rebounding team. I like Andrew Travis on Butler, but I think he's I think he's their best player, best interior player also. But it's just gonna be too too much big guys for UNC. I don't think they're gonna be able to hang with them. So who do you have in your in your, in your Carolina Kentucky or Carolina Kentucky quarter for uh, round of eight? Who do you have? I have Kentucky winning and UNC winning. I I think in the UNC Butler game, it's either gonna be a very close game coming on the wire, or it's going to be a blowout. It's not going to be a 10 to 12 point No, game. definitely not. Because yeah. Bowler is so much hard. Like they, they've proven over the years, being from a, a mid-major conference. And I don't know. I'd, lo- I'd love to see it happen, though. Before we jump off the college basketball, there's one thing I want to mention. As a Big 12 guy, I kind of want your thought. Well, that's what Jake's thought is. We'll give you mine in a second. Um, Brad Underwood comes in in one season, brings in this team, brings this team really out of nowhere, started 0-7, 0-6 in the Big 12, leads them to the tournament. He wants to, he, he's lowballed as an offer to, to bring them in. He wants to renegotiate. They say no, and he jumps to Illinois. How stupid is my car, is the – the athletic coordinator, athletic director of OS of Oklahoma State, look right now. He's not the brightest one. <laughs> He's Underwood's proven he can win even at, even not at any big time schools. You've taken Stephen F. Austin before for last year, the two of the last three NCAA tournaments. And they won a game or two. Yeah, yeah. And so he's proven he can win. Why you don't give him the offer, I don't understand. He'll succeed at Illinois for sure. And Oklahoma State's looking for another head coach again. No, I heard Tom Cream is available, but I don't know if you want to go. You, does, one, does one want to go to Stillwater? I mean, you probably went there. I'm assuming for one or two, uh, for some a couple for a bad little game. It it's honestly not as fun as Norman. It's a little 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 depressing there at times, but it's for a basketball game. They definitely. Definitely get very pumped up. Well, Powerhouse school. Stillwater Ivo Arena is supposedly one of the loudest in the country. I haven't had the pleasure of going. Um, your thoughts on Tom Crean being fired at Indiana? I don't love it. I feel like they had a huge injury this year to OG Anuobi, and it was a little bit unfair to him. They beat North Carolina and Kansas. Two one seeds in the NCAA tournament. They had they had a bunch of bad losses, so like Syracuse, I understand why they didn't get into the tournament, even with the good wins. But 
Tom Green proves when he has this whole team, he can win. To me, they've been trying to get rid of Cream for years. And the issue, I, my best friend was in Indiana, so I had, I had this discussion with him before. He's a knowledgeable guy. The reality is people from Indiana are very similar to the view, in my mind, of how people see Notre Dame in football, where this action of, you know, Midwest basketball hysteria is centered in Bloomington, Indiana. And the reality is Indiana has been a relatively decent team, but nothing spectacular. Haven't had a Final Four run since 2002 when they lost in the finals to my beloved Terps. Um, they had a couple good number one, a couple good one seeds, but they're looking for something that doesn't exist anymore. They're looking to back to kind of see where UConn is in the women's game, where they can be them in UCLA, and that's it. And that doesn't exist, and it's not coming back. To kind of jump around a little bit, if anyone wants to call in and talk any of this stuff, NCAA, uh, NBA, no, no real baseball because it's March, and I just don't want to, unless you want to talk WBC, um, but more NFL free agency, feel free to call in 760-283-0846. Um, we'll jump over to some, free, to, some NFL right now. And there's some, there's some interesting signings. The big name that hasn't come out yet, we're still waiting at Adrian Peterson. And Eddie Lacy signs with Seattle. Uh, the Giants signed Sean Drons, who's been on six teams in six years. I mean, I guess they need a power back to, to complement Paul Perkins. Why, in your mind, has Adrian Peterson, Peterson not been signed? Well, Seth, it's been proven over the years. A running back over 31 years old does not succeed in the NFL. That's that tends to be the lifespan for a running back in the NFL. Way too much of a beating, way too much hits. But, but he has been the exception with coming back from injuries, winning, winning the MVP in 2012 after a torn ACL. So I feel like he's not worth the money that he wants, but he's still worth a pretty good amount of money. Yeah, well, the question is where is he going to sign? Um, you know, yes, running backs over 30 are not or usually it's a downhill trend. Remember, he was suspended for a year, and he had another year where he was injured, but injured, he heard towards ACL, which obviously not a good injury to recover from, but it's two years of non-physical pounding. So I don't think he is washed up. I don't think he is the typical 30-year-old who's at the end of his line. I think he has good years left. And when I see an Eddie Lacy who can't stay within 25 pounds of what he should be weighing, and I see... Oakland trying to bring back Marshawn Lynch, which I understand. It, surprised, it really surprises me that a team hasn't really made a run at Peterson or it hasn't. Well, it's funny that they're going back, going back to the Eddie Lacy factor because there's actually an incentive in this contract for him to weigh in the 240-pound range. I think he weighs about 225 right now. Then he has to gain about 15, 20 pounds. I thought he, weighed, I thought he was over. He has to gain weight? Yeah, no, he has to gain weight. Jeez. And I'll happily give him 15 of my pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to Peterson, the two Minnesota's out. The Giants were interested at first, but they're not going to be able to afford him at this point. Yeah. And the two main teams are Seattle and Oakland. What's interesting about that is that Marshawn Lynch returns. Right. Seattle still owns the rights to him. And Oakland's the one that wants him. But Oakland also 
for Juan Peterson also. So it's a very, very interesting discussion. And, of course, Latavius Murray goes to Minnesota, Peterson's old team. It's, and the, the circle of life of running backs in the NFL continues. And when you look around some of the – there have been some interesting moves. I think New England has done phenomenally well bringing in Brandon Cooks for a first-round pick. Um, I think the Giants did quite nicely bringing in Brandon Marshall on a two-year, ten-year, ten million-dollar contract. What have been your favorite moves, um, or what have been your thoughts on free agency as a whole? Some good, some not so good. Um, I love the Brandon Marshall move. Not not very high risk. Doesn't work out. You just release him. He's he has the talent to succeed, but on that Giants team. You already got Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr., two stud receivers. You let go of Victor Cruz. And I'm a big Victor Cruz fan, but he just wasn't worth the money. He wasn't, was not, I was a fan, but he was not worth the money. Not producing for what – he still has not come back for, from his injury. Um, and going back to what the Giants really needed, their big need is an offensive line. So you now sign Geno Smith, <laughs> who I hate to say just – not accomplished a lot in the NFL, but people think Eli doesn't have that much time left, and now the Jets signed Josh McCown to a one-year deal. Like, well, it's, the, Jets, the Jets are – I mean, let's call the Jets what they are. The Jets, for all intents and purposes, Jets, for all intents and purposes, are, are tanking the season. And they've left Todd Bowles on a ledge with no shot of survival. Because this is not Bowles' fault. The team went 10 and 6 two years ago. Kind of fluky. And reality hit last year with 5 and 11. Now you get rid of Marshall, you get rid of Mangold, you get rid of Fitzpatrick. You're trying to trade Sheldon William, uh, Sheldon Wilkers, uh, Sheldon Richardson, excuse me. You know, Muhammad Wilkerson's kind of on an, The Jets, for all intents and purposes, in my mind, are, they're tanking. They're doing what Cleveland did this past year. And the goal being the quarterback, Sam Darnell, potentially from USC, where they can bring in a franchise guy and take some of the headlines away from the Giants. The problem with that with the draft, Jets have, Jets have shown they have not succeeded that well in the draft. No. So they might want to start looking somewhere in free agency. They have been looking at Jay Cutler. I don't – Jay Cutler – when he's on, is a very is top ten, top fifteen quarterback in the league. But the, his problem is he's never really on. He's too inconsistent. He bl- blames all these issues on blames his protection. I will say he gets hit almost more than any quarterback in the league. But he's been hurt a lot, and another another big time player that I don't know if he's got anything left in the tank. Jamal Charles. Again, similar, I think, in a lot of ways to Peterson. We don't know what his labels are have left. Because he's torn the ACL. We don't know what, But he hasn't taken the pounding. So I'd like, I, I'm, I mean, someone's going to take a flyer on him at some point. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. But what teams do you think have done really – like, what, is there a team that stood out to you? Or not really? See, to me, New England's getting Brandon Cook, a legitimate number one ride out, getting Coney Ealy for literally nothing. These are New England moves, you know, and as much as I hate to say it because, well, what New Yorker really roots for Boston teams, but you just, kind of, you just look at it and say, this is why 
we, this is why they do what they do. This is why New England is competitive every year. Martellus Bennett wanted X money. He's gone. You know, they know, they have their threshold, they, and they don't break it. So that, to me, has been really, they've been really good. I don't understand the Rams. I don't, I, I don't know what they're doing. Um, the Giants aren't far away. The Jets are very far away. So the Giants making the run at Marshall. To me, I disagree with you. The reason it's good for the Giants need it, they need him, is he's, he's an Akeem Nick. He's a practical burst. As good as Shepard is and as good as uh, ODB is, and ODB is phenomenal. First of all, he's double-teamed every play. Brandon Marshall gives you 6'5", 220 going across the middle. It's a different mindset. It's a different kind of receiver. It will take pressure off these guys. So for $5 million for one year, $11 million over two, but the first year is only, guaranteed, only the first year is guaranteed, I would do that 10 out of 10. But what do you, what do you, how do you expect to solve the protection issue? Eli's got to have time to throw the ball. Yes, he does. And if you, but if you want to sign Andrew Whitworth, a, 30, a great play, a very nice player, but a 35-year-old guard for $12 million a year, you know, you can't, get every, you can't solve everything. Yeah. And to me, to get potentially a top 25 wideout at this price, you do what you have to do. Um, they made, I think they made, some, they made some, I think they'll go they'll look that way in the draft. It's not a great offensive line draft. It's a very good, actually, wideout draft and running, yeah, back. and running back draft. And, you know, to see them go either for a heavier running back or go for a McCaffrey. I mean, this, can you imagine this, the Giants offense with Christian McCaffrey? Oh it would be terrifying. Um, the problem is we wasted a first-round pick on Eric Flowers, who has not, 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 not produced at all. And, well, that's it. And, you know, the, you, can, you know, and Jerry Reese has caught a lot of grief over the years. Understand, you know, it, and it's an interesting premise, you know, that he's getting a lot of accolades now, and he did a phenomenal, but he got a lot of accolades for signing three guys for $200 million. It doesn't take, to me, that does not take an extraordinary amount of talent to say, Olivia Vernon, here's 85 million bucks. You know, Rich Jenkins, here's 50 million, 60 million bucks. To me, that's just throwing money and trying to keep your job while doing it. Similar to what Billy King did with the Nets, where he signed all these veterans, they stay in the playoffs, they're irrelevant, and he keeps his job until the veterans are old, and then they disappear and so does his job. My, my big free agent signing this whole offseason is definitely Martellus Bennett guarding the Packers. He's proven that they had no Gronk last year. He's proven he's one of the best tight ends in all of football. He's proven that before he went to New England as well. Yeah, and now he's going – to who I think is the best quarterback in all of football. And that offense is going to be scary next year. And hopefully they get everyone back on defense. Not, not as strong of a defense, but... They've never been that strong of a defense. They've re-signed Nick Perry. But the problem I see is, you know, you talk, their line is decent, but they lost Lang to the Lions. They lost Sutton the prior year. To, um, the prior year. Who is their running back? Ty Montgomery? I mean, that to me is McCaffrey. That, to me, is the perfect place. Because Rodgers is always looking to pass out of the backfield. But James Starks, Montgomery, like, these are not running backs that are going to lead you anywhere, most likely. Although Montgomery was quite helpful in my fantasy football championship, and I'm quite appreciative for that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we, look, we talk about this. And the NFL is, you know, it's their down period. We're, we're, you know, we're a month before a draft, before draft season. So I have to ask you about the one Oklahoma guy, which everyone has talked about, um, Joe Mixon, phenomenal talent. Everything goes back to 
a incident that happened in 2013 or 2014, I forget which, 2014. 2014. Um, now, he's been, he's been extremely contrite about the whole thing. He's not tried to hide any of it. I mean, it's not something you publicize, obviously, where he, he was accused and admitted to punching a woman. The, the, the reason is behind it ends up being moot at the end of the day. Um, again, first-round talent, how far – but considering the PR hit that whatever team is going to take is going to, is going to take, is going to get, where do you think he's going to go? And you saw him more than I did. Between him and uh, Perige, the, the other running back. Logic, which, yeah. Peter, the two running backs were phenomenal. You know, where do you see these guys going? But more mixed in the team to be the higher well, ceiling. Well, Seth, my side to that is the whole rare rights effect. I think it's ridiculous. I'll give an example. Tyree Kill. Domestic violence abuse. Why is he playing the NFL? Why is Ray Rice not back in the league? It makes it makes no sense to me. But from a talent perspective, you can make the case that Joe Mixon's the best running back in the draft. I, I mean, I saw him play live. I can make a case that he that he is the best. Well, he's more of a Dalvin Cook than a Fournette. He's yeah. not a big, strong guy. Yeah. Um. He's a, a he, very create. You know, not a, more of a scat back kind of running back, a cook, a McCaffrey, that kind of player. So he has the – if not for the video, he would have been a top 10 pick. There are – the thing is, there will be a team that will take a chance on him. I'm, I'm hearing like five, six, five, six teams or so right now. And all you need is one GM to take well, that someone's chance gonna, Someone's going to take him. Yeah. I mean, you don't forego first-round talent because of something that happened four years ago. The question is, where can they take him? Is he going to drop? He's not going to go in the first round. I think we all admit that. The question is, is he going to go in the second? Is he going to go in the third? Is he a fifth-round flyer like a Tyreek Hill? The difference is nobody knew who the heck Tyreek Hill was in college, or most of us didn't know. And I watched college pretty hard. I had never heard of him. So, you know. His last college game actually was against Oklahoma before. Was it really? He was kicked off. I was was at the game before he was kicked off for the whole domestic abuse. What is being, now, Sean, who hosts the show, typically went to Syracuse. I went to Maryland. In ACC school when I was there, Big Ten now, it's a fun atmosphere. The tailgate's enjoyable. But it is not a, quote-unquote, big-time college football program. What is going to an Oklahoma football, going to a big-time program, playing a TCU, playing one of these massive you know, games on an 8 o'clock night on ABC? What is that like? Well, from a fan perspective, it's very exciting because, as you can see from all the Power Five conferences, the Big 12 is the conference that plays the absolutely least defense. Yes. I saw a game this year, Oklahoma-Texas Tech, broke every offensive record. Texas Tech, I can't remember the exact score, but it was like 64 to 6 to 60, something like that. If you score 60 points, I mean, you should be, you should be losing the game. I mean, that's, that's just absurd. But they don't play defense like the SEC, and the games are very exciting. Very, very exciting. Well, you have a Dana Horgerson in West Virginia who's never seen, a, never seen a defense he's ever liked. And the best example I think you have when you're talking about this is think back three years ago, Baylor-TCU. When TCU goes 11-1, and loses to Baylor 61-58, it's excluded, and TCU, in my mind, was the best team in the 
was the best team in the country and gets excluded. Ohio State gets it and wins, beats Alabama, beats Oregon to win the national championship. Do we have a caller? If someone wants to call in? Someone's just trying to call in. Okay, um, so if you want to call in, 760-283-0846. Um, and we'll, we've got another 20 minutes left. Go tell them. So while we're trying to figure out some of our technical difficulties, which for those of you who are, new, not, who are not new to the show, this is not surprising in the slightest. Um, so... You know, to me, when I I always enjoyed the Big Ten, Big Big Twelve, excuse me, Big Twelve football, because as he said, there is no defense. There hasn't been defense for years. You have all these offenses. Although Gary Patterson's kind of a defensive guy, but Art Bryles at Baylor, or formerly Art Bryles at Baylor, um, Texas. You look, the whole conference is kind of a, it's just a mess. There's a, it's a mishmash. You have Oklahoma. Then you have really TCU has been almost the second most consistent team over the last four or five years. Maybe Baylor. Texas is in La La Land. And, you know, where do you see the conference going? The big problem is us not expanding this year. There's 25 teams that want to join our conference. Why can't we take two of them? I don't – A BYU makes sense to me. I mean, it's a decent school. Your football team is solid. The basketball team makes the tournament. I don't know what more – I mean, maybe the – Christian Mormon thing is not a good fit. I, President Bourne of my school, he's in charge of the one who makes the decision. And Oklahoma is obviously by far the best football team in the conference. Maybe he's worried of another team overtaking that, but I don't. That's ridiculous. That, that that's silly to me. If, if all that to me is a short is short sighted, because you're going to have years you're not the best team in the conference. Just. Eventually, someday, Kansas is not going to be the best team in the, in the best for basketball. The this is life. This happens. You haven't won the Big 12 every year. And you've had Baylor win it. You've had TCU win it. We've certainly seen Texas win it. You're the, the preeminent team. So, to me, if that's the reason, you have teams like Houston, like Cincinnati, like, um, as I said, BYU. I understand I, un- I understand the thought of keeping it small, and I'm a small con- I like small conferences as opposed to the minus 16 team ones that, that are out there, but you kind of have to just transition with what's there. And Houston beat us this year. Badly. So they beat Louisville also against yes. the incredible Lamar Jackson, but they had some bad losses also. They got their offensive line got, bad, got beat up. Craig Ward Jr. got hurt. He was phenomenal against you guys. Ed Oliver destroyed everybody. So why, why do we not want them in our, in our conference? We play, we play them every year, have another big game that we would have to get to play. I hate to say with the Big 12, like teams like Kansas. Apparently, Jake is, is in favor of your argument. <laughs> teams like Kansas, who are a great basketball conference, have been horrific since as long as I've known them in, in the football conference. Kansas had one great year. Under Mark Mangino, where they went, I think, 11 and 1. They lost, I forget who they were. It was Kansas and Missouri were the top two teams in the conference. And then it never happened again. I think that was the year they had a keep to leave on the team. Probably, but I, I, I don't remember who the players were. I just remember Kansas was like number four, and Missouri, I think, was number two. And I remember saying to myself, man, I'm watching a Kansas Missouri game for a 12 football team. That's weird. To jump around a little bit more, I want to talk a little bit of NBA. It's been a fantastic year 
Oh, unless you're a Nets fan, it's just been a miserable year. Or a Nets fan, it doesn't matter. But Adam Silver has come, has come out after a lot of these, a lot of these teams, the Warriors, the Cavs, the Spurs. You know, Pop, Greg Popovich has been doing this for years. Has been, they've been benching their players, and Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, not really thrilled about this because a lot of these have been. I just kind of happened to fall on Saturday night ABC game. Now, to me, the idea of staying home to watch a, a Bulls, a Cavs, Clippers game on a Saturday night was not that exciting. But then again, I now have an eight-month-old, so things change a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts? You know, he says that he pretty much voices his pleasure and stated that this will be discussed at the next owners' meeting. What are your thoughts? I don't think he is really saying this because he's he's not the owner of these teams. He's the commissioner makes all the rules for the league and all that. But he has no say in what a coach or GM, what players they want to play. It sucks as a fan because I've been, to, I've been in Knicks-Cavs games where one, I'm one specific time where LeBron was benched just for rest. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated because the Knicks – Nobody's paying to see the Knicks right Yeah, the Knicks have just been terrible. I'm sadly a Knicks fan, but um, – I want to see LeBron James play, and they bench him. But so it's frustrating from a fan's point of view. But in regards to you wanting to win a title, these players need rest. The, War- the Warriors did it the other night with, with benching Clay, Draymond, Stephen, and, and Igudala. They don't have Durant right now. So they don't want to risk another injury. They won't be able to make another run. Um, and the Spurs have been doing this for years. It's now like coming out because other teams are doing it. And more often, and the Spurs continue to do it. It's, yeah. it's always been top this way. And the Spurs have won games while they do that. So you can't. There's not really an argument for. It's not. Well, certainly not a tank move. It's not like the Nets are doing it or the Knicks are doing it. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm just getting interested in watching my son push his. Jesus, push his stroller. Who knew an eight-month-old was that strong? Um, but to me, you know, I agree. I don't think this is something you can legislate. I think it's frustrating. I think it's disappointing. But when LeBron James is playing 38 minutes a game trying to keep the one seed for Cleveland, which they should get anyway, considering the talent disparity, to me, it's a, to bench him in a random game makes all the sense in the world. The idea is to win a championship. The goal is to go back to the finals. Whether they're the one seed or the two seed probably won't matter. I mean, they're going to be the one seed. We all know that. Um, so to, I agree. I don't think there's a lot you can do on that. And it is not Mark Cuban or Peter Holt or Steve Ballmer or Joe uh, or Jake, uh, Jacob, the, the Golden State Commissioner's job or owner's job, to tell his coach who he can play and we can't. You just can't do it. So I mean, so like as I said, we're three. We have about 15 minutes left. So if anyone wants to call in 760-283-0846, please do not call Dylan's cell phone. Um, because that will not get us on the air because we're calling this all goes through a different number. Um, MVP race. Rarely have we seen so many candidates, illegitimate candidates. You have Harden, you have Westbrook, you have James, you have Leonard. Those are probably the top four. What are your thoughts right now? From a number perspective, you can't argue that right now it's not going to be Russell Westbrook. I mean, the man's averaging a triple-double. I mean, that hasn't been done since Oscar Robertson. And James Harden's putting up numbers that have also never been done before. So you have, you, you have the argument there. Kawhi's having an incredible year. 
no surprise that LeBron's playing the numbers he's putting up. But I feel like Westbrook got snubbed a couple of years ago when the Thunder didn't make the playoffs. And he had, I think he had the best numbers in the league. And I'm pretty sure, was that the year Steph Curry won or Durant? Durant. Um, no. Westbrook. Durant was hurt. Steph I think Curry won it. I thought it was the year before Curry. I could be wrong. Maybe that was the year before Curry was Durant. Um, it was probably Curry then. Yeah. And Stephen Curry is a great player, but he definitely did not have as good numbers that year as Russell Westbrook. And after Westbrook not becoming a starter in the All-Star game with the best numbers in the whole league, I'm a little hesitant to say he's going to win the MVP, not because I don't think not because I don't think he has he should. the numbers, but just in regards to voting and everything, I don't know if they're going to vote for him. They're not, they're not a top four seed in the West. That, that's a, that seems to be a big factor. And I think it could end up being James Harden. What do you I think, think it's that? good to be Harden. Um, I don't think it should be. Uh, if it was me, I would, I would give it to Westbrook because I look at what that team. The team has no talent. Very simple. Oladipo is a decent. Apparently, Jake is disagreeing with me. We'll discuss it after the show. <laughs> Um, Oladipo is a good, is a decent talent, but nothing. He's not a, he's not a game changer. I don't even know who their three is. Is it, is it still Roberson? I mean, Roberson is the, probably the worst starting three in the league. And they just got they got Taj. They got Taj Gibson. They got McDermott. McDermott's going to be is a night is pretty much going to be Roberson's replacement as a three is a three guy. Yeah. Um, Taj Gibson is probably your second best. Probably your second best player. And then you have Stephen Adams and Enos Cancer, who are nice centers, but this is not a team I, if you take away Harden from Houston, between Capella and Anderson and Gordon, it's still probably, it's a borderline playoff team. You take Westbrook out, no they chance. have nothing. I mean, he's playing an absurd amount of minutes. When he's not on the floor, they have no offense, no defense, and he plays every play like it's his last play. He plays like it's the NBA Finals, which, which you have to love. Makes the game way more exciting. And well, I'm a big Kawhi Leonard fan. He literally does everything. Offense, defense, great shot. And he also plays for Popovich, and who I think is the best coach in all basketball. And there's nothing that needs to be said about LeBron because LeBron. And I mean, you can make a case LeBron should be the MVP every single year. Yeah, I mean, well, the question is, you know, who's the MVP, who's the best player? The MVP, the best player for the last 15, last 12 years for all intents and purposes has been LeBron James. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who couldn't have crushed him more on the move to Miami. Uh, we spent, we were hosting, we started hosting the show around that time. Really? Maybe it was right. I think we just started doing podcasts. And we just crushed it all, crushed him all the time. Um, but two championships and four finals appearances later, there's no question about that. And he, he'll go down to the top three to five player of all time. Um, Leonard is phenomenal. Uh, he just he doesn't seem to ca- he doesn't seem to care about these kind of things, which and he's so quiet that but he spurs attitude. Yeah, he really is the epitome. Well, Popovich once said the trade he regret he both loved and regretted more than anything else was trading George Hill to Indiana. He loved George Hill um, for the right to pick Kawhi Leonard. Now George Hill is having has been a solid player, but having a great year in Utah. But he's not Kawhi Leonard, and this team is going to go forward with 
the international guys they bring in because they always do. The Spurs are the best franchise in the NBA, without question. Um, you know, look, if it wasn't for one fluky Ray Allen shot, it's because of six championships. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. But LeBron going to six straight NBA finals, even though he hasn't won all of them, I mean. It is, but look how weak that conference is, and that's taking nothing away from him. What team have you seen has been that good? I agree with that, but from his perspective, if he wants to go play in the West, he's not going to be going to six straight finals. No, which is, he's making the smart decision in that. Right, way. but in, that's why you credit him, and it's also why you look at him and say, well, Indiana had one really good year with uh, Paul George and Roy Hibbert at that point, and George Hill. They gave him a good run. Roy Hibbert's falling off. Roy Hibbert's barely in the league at this point. Yeah. And George and is going to be trade-based. And Lance Stevenson from that team He's got released from his 10-day contract. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what happens. You know, and you, you look at these teams, I mean, they beat Toronto in the last two years. Toronto is a nice team, but Toronto's not going to beat them in a seven-game series. They're just not. I would, lo- I would love to see the Celtics. Obviously, I want for the Knicks, but they're not making the playoffs. I'd love to see the Celtics versus the Cavs in that Eastern Conference. Well, that's what we're looking at right now. Right now, the Celtics are a QC. They're a game and a half up on Washington. And, I mean, Washington has played them to Cleveland extremely tough. It's probably the game of the year this year um, in that Cleveland, like the 140-137 double overtime game um, where LeBron hit the bank three-pointer to put it uh, into OT. I mean, it's, a, it's better than most, and Cleveland has probably taken a half step back a little bit, although Kevin Love has been better this year. They're – the East is just the – it's the Cleveland that, you know, you look at the West, and realistically, um, you look at them, if Durant's not back, the West is up for grabs. It could be the Clippers, it could be the Spurs. Uh, I don't think it can be the Clippers. I think the Clippers are done. I think the Clippers are, are fighting to keep six feet right now. Well, I see. Chris Paul missed a lot of time this year, which <laughs> brought yeah. him down a lot in the standings. But I think – He's not the best player in the league, but when he's running your offense, he may be the best pure point guard. But I think that also brings up another question. You know, we're talking about best great coaches, we're talking about Popovich, and Doc Rivers has always gotten such an enormous amount of credit. But he's had extremely talented teams in LA. You have a top five point, top three point guard in Paul, top three power forward probably in Griffin, good supporting cast with Crawford and Reddick. DeAndre Jordan's a top five star. The team has never made the conference finals. At some point, this has to come, this has to come back on the coach. Vinny Del Negro got them as far as they've gotten right now. They've gotten to the second round with him with 51. I wonder, you know, Paul is a free agent after this season. Griffin's a free agent after this season. I wonder what happens to Doc Rivers at this point. Does he want to stay? Does, do they want him to stay as both a coach and a GM? I mean – He's a proven winner, one with Boston. So. He won with Boston with three top 50 all-time guys. That's, uh, that's, like, that's, the, that's the Roy Williams argument I hate. It's not hard to win when you're coaching Kansas and North Carolina, yeah. when you get that talent. It's harder. I mean, so I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that. Like, he did a good – I mean, look, I'm not thinking anything way. He won a title. He went to a champion. He went to a finals afterwards. We'll look at it from this side. Like how LeBron's staying in the East. They're in the Eastern Conference, so they have a much, they had a much easier run to get to the finals versus the West. And but you're making my argument for it. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. But <laughs> the uh, like you put the Clippers in the East, 
they're going to be in the two seed, no question. Like, yes. it's not even a debate. Yeah, they, but, them and Boston would be fighting back and forth for this tail. Yeah. But I love, I'll, I'll love watching Isaiah Thomas this year. He's gone against all odds. It was the last pick in the NBA draft in 2011. No one gave him a shot. Five foot eight. And he's a board in a bad year, he'd be an MVP candidate. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to the Boston fans while listening. I can disrespect them at another time. But he is in this year where you've had these such enormous stars. And really, nobody's been more clutch than Thomas. He has carried a team that is extraordinarily well coached, but not an extraordinarily talented team. You don't look at this team, which is why we, we discussed before the trade deadline, would Boston make the run into Jimmy Butler or Paul George and give up the first overall pick? I thought they would do it for George. I didn't know if they would do it for Butler. Um, obviously, none of it happened. If you're Boston, do you, think, do you think they should have made the trade? Made the run? Because the thing, thought process is you're going to re-sign whoever it is for a big contract. But it gives you a shot at Cleveland because either of those guys would give you a chance. You'd be giving up a lot, but if you didn't, if you didn't have a shot to actually make a run, like I think it'd be worth it. But Paul George has proven after that horrific, horrific leg injury he had a couple of years ago. Like it seems like he's back at 100. percent So I, but you still never know. No, you don't. And they have to re-sign Jay Crowder. I think they have to re-sign Thomas. If yeah. They choose to. You know, the problem is you have all these assets that are tradable. I'm not talking about Thomas, but Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart and Crowder. And at some point, they're not assets anymore. And I'm wondering if they've surpassed that point. And, you know, we look at it, and we look at that team. Yes, they're going to probably – they're the number one pick most likely because of the horrendous Garnett-Pierce trade where they have the net with the net. Um, they probably take more careful which means Marcus Smart is out pretty much out of a position or they take Alonzo Ball. But, you know, I almost wonder if in a certain way they'd be better off not getting the one, getting a three or four, and getting a pure score because that's what they need. Jason Tatum. Tatum, to me, is the most – he's been the best player I've seen in college basketball. I think he is phenomenal. And now, to be fair, I did not watch a lot of Washington basketball. They were – they no, were a terrible team this year. That's the problem Markel Fultz. Put up great numbers, but couldn't carry his team at all. Well, I, that's similar to Ben Simmons the year before at LSU. And look at Ben Simmons now. Well, well he's had the injury, so I can't. We have, we have no idea what to make out of Ben Simmons. Yeah. That seems to be the problem with, with Philly, though. They have these top picks. They trade Noel to the Mavericks. They just can't. Oh, they can't get a terrible trade. Um, I thought they were going to trade Okafor, not Noel. They've been talking about trading Okafor forever. forever right? And now Okafor doesn't really want to be there. But they have him. And Embiid, who was killing it, proved the first two years he's not – he's very injury-prone. Now yeah. he's hurt again. Ben Simmons, out for the season, like – What are you looking at? Like, you have these top picks. They're not accomplishing anything. I mean, well, that's the problem. And I get, I get the idea of what he tried to do because that team had no talent. And there's an argument that instead of being a perpetual 6-10, 7-9 football team or being a 35-wing basketball team or a 40 – like the Atlanta Hawks, except for the one six-year win. Every year they're 45 and 37, and you know they're not going anywhere. You take tear the whole damn thing down and see if you can rebuild it. But, you know, I look, I look at – and you look at Philly, and that's what they did. Sarich may end up being the, the rookie of the year. Who knew? He's like 26 years old. They've been talking about him forever. 
So, I mean, you know, you, you look at it and there's a lot of different ways you can, they can go. And I just completely lost my train of thought where we were talking about. Damn it. Really? Now, well, I know that, but where we're going, why we were talking about, oh, the, I guess there's, there's some trades and some, some, some of the trades and some of the movement. And, 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 and that's horrible trade. That's horrible trade. Um, sorry about that. So, I mean, you look, Markel Falls, you know, Lorenzo Romar now gone at Washington. Mike Hopkins, interestingly, comes from Syracuse to uh, it's a, a coach and waiting for the last five years. God knows when Bayheim's really going to retire. So they go, he goes over to Washington State. Take over what could be a pretty decent, a lot of Seattle talent. It's not the worst move in the world. When they get him the head coaching job, and look, in three or four years, he built something. He wants to go back to Cuse. If Bayheim ever retires, then may come into play. So we have three minutes to go. I'm going to give, usually what we do just to finish is I give like a one, we each give like a one or two minute, just sum up about things we didn't get a chance to talk about. First, I want to thank Dylan for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Second of all, shout out, a couple of huge boxing fights, uh, Triple G winning, but showing it no longer invincible against Daniel Jacobs. Uh, Gonzalez, number one pound for pound fighter in the world, getting, losing a controversial decision. I wish people cared. I know no one does. It's an MMA world, and boxing has just become antiquated. Um, we'll be talking probably about two weeks away from baseball, from a baseball preview. I'll be honest, I'm not that excited. Apparently, either is Jake. So the last minute and a half is for you. Is for you. you know, tell, how do you, how do you, you've never hosted one of these before. How, tell me, what, what did you think of it? Um, I think it went pretty well. I mean, a little nervous at first, but yeah, you got, I got right into it pretty fast. Um, fun to do? Very fun to do. Definitely recommend it for, for anyone. I love to talk sports with anyone. Um, just like you're sitting in a bar, talk sports. Well, that was, lost, the, well, that was what we were talking money. about is the fun, for those of you who never had a chance to host one, you know, I've been doing it now for four or five years, and it's not my main job. It's, it's, just, it's a labor of love. We, my partner and I joke that we're the most educated sports radio hosts you'll ever see. My partner is a lawyer in-house in, in, Jersey, in Jersey City. It's what you always wanted to do. See, when, when I was a youngster like you, like 20 years ago, when I had hair and, you know, n- not as many wrinkles, this stuff didn't exist. So there's, a little, there's admittedly a little bit of envy, you know, with the opportunity that this arrives. So this kind of gives me the test. They're saying we've got about a minute and change to go. One thing I wanted to touch up on, which you didn't get to say, Please. what do you think about the whole James Dolan and Charles Oakley situation? James Dolan's an idiot. I mean, you take – James Dolan, it's so funny because when it comes to the Rangers, nobody says a word. He's perfectly fine. He, James Dolan never built anything. He didn't start Oil brat. He inherited a company. Good for him. God bless him. Since, the Knicks, since he took over to Nixon, I believe 99, I think was the year. Yeah. 2000. It was after the, I think it was after they went to the final. Yeah, it was after that, that Ewing, Patrick Ewing. Um, they've won one playoff series. They've been to the playoffs six times in 17 years. They've been preempted by the Nets, who've gone to two finals. They've been pretty much an embarrassment of riches between Stefan Marbury, who's suddenly, you know, he's become the god of China, and, um, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Larry Brown. It's just been one cluster beep after another. They're the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. The most terrible moves. Pay all this money to these top players and get nothing accomplished. Yeah, with although Cleveland probably has better ownership because Cleveland lets them at least lets these people integrate. So for Dylan Carpell, this is Seth Cameron on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Check us out on iTunes. 
Uh, back Sports page comes back live April 15th. Have a good one, everybody. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Seth. Push up.